This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with a doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, your favorite health and wellness weekly radio show. I am your host, Dr. Carissa, and that was Miss Jilly from Philly, Jill Scott, living her life like it's golden. I love that song, and it is appropriate for our topic today. We are continuing our discussion on self-care. This is be the this will be the last in the series that we've done for this month, um, but of course not the last that we will discuss this topic most certainly. But before we get into any of that, we have to do what we always do, our shout outs. So shout out your city. Tell me where you are listening from and I will shout you out on next week's show. So here we go. Shout out to my number one fan. Good morning, mom. I hope you are having a terrific morning. Shout outs to family in Opelika, Alabama, Lusby, Maryland, Newport News, Virginia, Temecula, California, Cedar Bluff, Alabama, College Park, Georgia, Hobbs, New Mexico, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Oxford, North Carolina, Woodbridge, Virginia, Gadsden, Alabama, Hampton, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Memphis, Tennessee, Las Vegas, Nevada, Baltimore, Maryland, Belize City, Belize, Greenwood, Mississippi, Fayetteville, North Carolina, San Antonio, Texas, Phoenix, Arizona, Columbia, South Carolina, Centerville, Virginia, Washington, D.C., Seattle, Washington, Chesapeake, Virginia, Center, Alabama, Pensacola, Florida, Macon, Georgia, Ladson, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Houston, Texas, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and my hometown, Norfolk, Virginia. How are you all doing today? Um, I understand there's a storm coming to the Hampton Roads area. So all of you that are in the path of that storm, uh, please do what you need to do to prepare for that and be safe and be warm and be well. All righty. As I said, when we started our broadcast, we are broadcasting live from our studios here in Atlanta, Georgia, WWE Real 1100 AM. Uh, you can stream this show at www.real1100.com and you can watch us live on Facebook. We are on our Facebook page now, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, so jump on and say hey if you are out there. Um, we are 
part of two health networks. We are part of the Old Fashioned Health Network, which also broadcasts out of the WWE Real 1100 AM studio. And we are also a part of the 22.3 Takeover Vegas radio family that broadcasts out of Las Vegas. So you can catch our rebroadcast or you can catch us live. Uh, We are here every Thursday at 11 a.m. broadcasting out of our studio here in Atlanta and broadcasting out of 22.3 Takeover Vegas Radio on Sundays at 9 a.m. Eastern, excuse me, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern time. You can also catch this rebroadcast anytime you like. Uh, Join our Facebook family uh, on the page there and you have access to all the videos of our shows and other things that we share. And we also have a YouTube channel, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. So please follow us on social media. On Facebook, we are Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa on Instagram at Minutes, excuse me, at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa and on Twitter at Minutes Doctor. So please tell a, tell a friend, tell a family, tell someone you like, tell someone you don't like, tell anyone who will listen about our show. All righty. As you all know, and so here we are coming down, I guess, to the wire in the next couple of months here, um, that we have been nominated for um, some awards uh, as a part of the third annual radio award sponsored by 22.3 Takeover Vegas Radio. We are nominated for favorite talk show, People's Choice Award, Radio Personality of the Year, the Lit Award, Best New Radio Personality, the Team Spirit Award, Sexiest Radio Voice, which is still hilarious to me, but anyway, and Favorite Variety Show. So you can vote for our show by texting Carissa, C-A-R-I-S-A, to 702-872-1080. You can vote as often as you like, and please do, right? We would love to take home an award or two or all or whatever. I'm I'm not trying to be greedy. Um, The award show is in April of this year out in Las Vegas. So um, I hope to report to you all good news about what we have accomplished there. But at any rate, it is it is uh, an honor to be nominated and recognized amongst your peers uh, for the work that you do. So that in and of itself is a win uh, for me. So, all righty, as we always do, our COVID update. So here we go. Worldwide, we are at 357 million cases, which is an increase of 25 million from last week uh, and at uh, 5.6 million deaths worldwide uh, due to COVID. Uh, In the United States, we're at 71 million cases, uh, which is an increase of 5 million from last week's numbers. And we are at uh, 862.8 thousand deaths, which is an increase of about 20,000. And as always, we want to extend our sincerest condolences to all of those who have been affected in one way or another. Um, But particularly if you have lost someone uh, to COVID, our condolences uh, and love go out to you. Uh, In the United States, our seven-day average daily case counter, I guess you would say, we're at 1,300 new diagnoses every day, which is a spike and puts us uh, on par with where we were this time last year. Um, You know, we kind of dipped down in the summer and then in the late fall, early winter when Omicron uh, hit, we are seeing those case numbers um, spike once again. Alrighty. 
in vaccine news, so all of the or three of the major players in the vaccine uh, game, Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna, have begun uh, research studies of uh, vaccine boosters that are designed specifically to counter the Omicron variant. So as you all know, um, we have been seeing uh, quite a few breakthrough cases. And by breakthrough, we mean um, cases of COVID that are diagnosed in people who have been immunized. Um, Of course, you know, that is not what we want. But um, the the whole goal of vaccination is to decrease hospitalization and, of course, to decrease death. And so far, the vaccines are showing that they are still providing at least that protection uh, from the Omicron variant. Uh, about 99% of all new cases of COVID are due to the Omicron variant. Uh, so what can you do to protect yourself? Of course, wearing your mask when you're out in public, continuing to social distance as you are able to, uh, and get vaccinated uh, because we are seeing that people who are vaccinated with their booster, so you've had three um, three vaccinations when we talk about the uh, Pfizer-BioNTech and Moderna Uh, uh, products that, you know, those people are faring a lot better um, against the Omicron variant than than those who have only had two doses of vaccine and most certainly um, better than those who are not vaccinated at all. So, you know, do 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 that because current vaccines are still providing strong protection um, against hospitalization and death, even though there are these breakthrough cases that are happening. So have you all ordered your rapid COVID tests yet? So last week, the Biden administration made it possible to uh, have every household to receive four rapid COVID tests uh, free of charge. And so all you have to do is go to the website and uh, I have the link uh, posted on Um, our Facebook page, and I'm going to give you it here as well, www.covidtests.gov. That's www.covidtests.gov. And you can get that, um, like I said, get four rapid tests. It's only that one order per household. Um, But, you know, this is very helpful, um, particularly uh, if you are Uh, symptomatic and you don't want to go to the hospital you know we're trying to keep people out of the hospital as much as possible so we don't overrun the system there Um, you know but that can be helpful if you're not feeling well is this COVID is this something else Um, you know that can help you to 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 make that determination Uh, and then of course you know based upon your results get in contact with your healthcare provider uh, and decide what it is that you should do what's going to work best for you. I don't know that these tests are um, acceptable for travel. Um, So, of course, if you are traveling and COVID testing is a requirement, you want to make sure that you look at, you know, for your destination, look at what type of test is required because there are two types of tests. Um, There's the rapid test and then there's the PCR test. Um, And a lot of places are requiring the PCR, which the home test is the rapid the rapid COVID test. So you want to check into that and make sure um, before you make your travel plans or, you know, before you just head to the airport um, with the wrong test and then you can't, you know, get on your plane. Uh, And there's news for our COVID long haulers or people with long COVID. Um, 
that there are, are some people who have gotten the COVID infection and um, have continued to have symptoms weeks and months after they test negative. And we've been calling those long COVID or long hauler uh, COVID uh, patients. A recent study that was published in the journal named Cell, C-E-L-L, um, states that researchers have been able to identify uh, up to four biological factors that might help predict whether a person will develop long COVID. And of course, that has been, um, you know, a, a topic of um of concern because, you know, just as in the early days of COVID, when we couldn't predict who would be severely affected and who wouldn't, who would die and who wouldn't, um, what we saw coming out of, um, you know, that first wave of COVID was, you know, people that had these symptoms, you know, lasting long after they should have uh, completely recovered, um, or at least the expectation of complete recovery would have been, right? Um, and so, you know, we couldn't predict who would be who would be this person or who would completely recover. So that's what this study um, is trying to answer that question. Um, and the study reports investigation of about 309 patients with long COVID symptoms, uh, and they have been able to identify the four risk factors, or at least these four uh, risk factors for anticipating who might have long COVID. Um, the factors were present at the time of diagnosis of COVID. Uh, and the first one is a history of type 2 diabetes. The second one was SARS-CoV-2 RNA anemia. Uh, so basically you have the, um, the COVID-2 uh, virus, the virus that causes COVID um, in your blood. And uh, the Epstein-Barr virus, um, the presence of that virus, uh, was a factor. And then there is um, the wide open one, I will say, um, which is the presence of autoantibodies. And so, you know, that gave me an idea to do a show later on about autoantibodies and autoimmune diseases. Um, so, you know, for people, for example, lupus is an autoimmune disease and a type of diabetes is an autoimmune disease. And so, you know, if you had those autoantibodies present and they haven't identified those specifically as of yet, um, then that was in, it puts you at increased risk for having prolonged COVID symptoms. Now, I will say, you know, because this is the first study of its kind that I have been um, made aware of. And, you know, whenever we talk about research studies, you know, I'm always um, telling you all how to evaluate um, if it's a good study or if it's not. And one of the things with this study is that it's a small study. They only had 309 people um, as, as test subjects in this. And so why is that important? Because when you have a small sample size, it is difficult to make an accurate uh, extrapolation as to how this plays out or how it would play out in the population at large. So this is a, a an excellent first step in unlocking the keys to who gets long COVID, who's at risk for long COVID. Um, but of course, it is not the final step. It is not the final answer. And, and I look forward to uh, seeing what the research will say about this uh, going forward. And of course, as I know, I'll let you all know. 
All righty. We are going to take a small break. But before we do, uh, this segment was brought to you by Freeman Moore Medical Consultants, your premier disability consult service. Uh, if you are in need of disability services, please contact them at www.freemanmoremedical.com. We'll be right back after a break. This is Dr. Carissa, and you are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. This is fashion designer Edmund Newton. I'd like to tell you about Enmask.com. Enmask.com is my only source for non-surgical cloth masks. I've teamed up with Enmask.com to create and design a collection of limited edition masks. These masks are washable, reusable, breathable, and most importantly, fashionable. Shop online now at Enmask.com. That's E-N-M-A-S-K-S.com for quality masks made in America. Just for Pets Wellness Center reminds old-fashioned health listeners and pet owners to never leave pets unattended inside a parked vehicle, not even for a quick errand. Temperatures can rise to dangerous levels fast. Visit our website for more information at www.just4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. Hi there, healthy people. Do you have a healthy product or service? If you are a certified medical professional, fitness trainer, author, or chef, Old Fashioned Health would love to promote your services or product on the Old Fashioned Health radio show. Please reach out to us. Call 404-793-3960 or email us at oldfashionedhealth at gmail.com. You can also contact us at oldfashionedhealth.com. Old Fashioned Health, good health inside and out. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eye, and something without And we're back. Welcome back to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, your favorite health and wellness radio show. I am your host, Dr. Carissa, and we are continuing our t- discussion um, this month on self care. And and you know, I started this started out as just one show and I decided to expand it um, just at the new year because when the new year turns, you know, we are always making our resolutions or goals or however you want to to phrase that um, to um, decide how we're going to improve upon ourselves. Um, And so one of the things that is important to me is self-care. And so I decided to uh, to share and talk and teach um, about some things that we need to know. Um, about self-care. So today we're going to talk about self-care in healthcare. So, you know, that becomes, you know, because we've talked about self-care in general and the things that we should do, tips that we should take, why it's important, how to do it, and that kind of thing. So now let's drill down a little bit um, and get a little more specific about what we need to do when we're um, talking about our health, because that to me is, you know, a cornerstone of good self-care is being a healthy person, however, you know, that manifests itself for you. Um, So the first thing that we want to talk about is in in the healthcare is knowledge, right? So you have to ask yourself, and so these are some self-assessment questions that I'm going to give you a little bit, right? Um, So how often are you going to the doctor? Um, Being an ER doctor, of course, you know, I meet a lot of people 
at, at a inopportune time in their experience in life. And, you know, one of the things that I asked them is, you know, who is your doctor? And a lot of people tell me, um, and, you know, after 20 years of doing this, I still am surprised um, when people tell me that they don't have a doctor or they haven't seen a doctor um, or they even try to tell me you're my doctor. No, I am the ER doctor and you probably hopefully will not see me again. Um, although I do have some people that come into the ER regularly um, and unfortunately use the emergency room as their primary care clinic. But that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day, right? Um, so, you know, so the first thing that you want is to establish a relationship with a primary care provider. Um, that is going to be someone who is going to see you regularly, um, even if that regularly is once a year, because there are some folks out here who don't have any chronic health problems and they just need, you know, just a little checkup. Um, but, it's a, but it is important to establish that care so that way, you have over time a pattern, right? Um, because that becomes very, very important to know, you know, last year and for the past five years, your blood pressure and blood sugar and all of that stuff has been fine. And now all of a sudden it's not. Um, or, you know, if you've been kind of hopping around from doctor to doctor, no one person knows, you know, what really is going on. And by I say from doctor to doctor, I mean not, from specialists, but like from primary care to primary care to primary care, and your information is just kind of all over the place, right? So now the next question, the next self-assessment question, do you know the status of your health? How healthy are you? Now, being healthy is more than feeling fine, right? because most of us have chronic diseases or most of us that do have chronic diseases feel fine because our disease processes are controlled, but we are not necessarily, I won't say that we're not healthy. I'll, I'll say that we have the, act, the absence of, of symptoms of our disease, right? So knowing the status of your health. So number one, what medical conditions do you have, if any? Um, and, you know, you need to be aware of how you might be asked that question. So, for example, you may go to see a provider and they may say, um, you know, what is your past medical history? And, you know, a lot of people say, I don't I don't have anything. But then they have, you know, a bajillion medications that they take for, you know, as many reasons. Right. Um, so your past medical history, what that is, is what illnesses either have you had or do you have currently okay or you know do you take any medications for any reason um, you know that's kind of an open-ended invitation to say yes I have high blood pressure I have diabetes I have this I have that um, there because if you are taking medicine you have a medical history right so now going further with your medical conditions, um, knowing the status of those conditions. So for example, um, is your diabetes controlled? Is your blood pressure controlled or not? Now, I also have people that say to me, I don't have high blood pressure because my blood pressure is normal now. 
well it's normal now because you're taking medication for it right so the better answer to that question would be I have high blood pressure but it is controlled with XYZ medication so you know it, it seems like fine points and maybe semantics um, but it is I'm, I'm trying to help you all to drill down on how to effectively and efficiently uh, communicate what's going on with you and also to know what's going on with you right medications and this just happened to me just just the other day I was talking to a patient and he told me that he takes a little red pill okay I have absolutely no idea what that red pill is and I'm gonna be honest I don't even know how many red pills are on the market I don't know you know so you're telling me what color pill you take or if it's big or if it's got a line in the middle that does not help me to know at all. There are tens of thousands of medications um, on the market, right? And if you have, depending upon the manufacturer or who makes that medication, it may look different, but it may be the exact same medication. So one pharmaceutical company may make their pill as a white pill. Another company may make it as a red pill that's triangle shaped, you know? So you want to know the names of your medication. And for our standpoint, um, you know, it doesn't matter if you say the generic name or if you say the brand name, we will know um, or we can look it up if we aren't familiar with that particular medication. You also want to know the dosage of your medicine. So is it a five milligram tablet or a 25 milligram tablet? How much is it? Because many of these medications have multiple doses. And so, you know, we will we will not know. There's no way for me to know unless you tell me or unless I prescribe it, um, you know, what it is that you take and how much you take and how often you take it. So or how often are you supposed to take it? I'll put that out. Right. Because some of us, some of y'all and I'm looking in, into my Facebook camera here and looking into the camera, the radio, some of y'all um, decide to take your medicine how you want to take it and not how your doctor has told you to take it. And again, I'm not going to I'm not going to get into that, but it is what it is. We're telling the truth here today. Right. Um, you know, so how are you supposed to take it? Are you supposed to take it once a day or twice a day or three times a day or just as you need to take it? Um, you know, what's the regimen there? So those are all things that you need to know about your medication and about your medical history, your diagnoses. <clears throat> Excuse me. The next thing that you want to know is, who is your doctor? Um, and, and why do you see them? And where are they located? Because even though the medical community is somewhat small, I don't know all the doctors. I don't know all of them. I, I just don't. And, you know, even within a community, you may not know um, who all is there because some people, you know, are new or retiring or I just haven't met them yet or, or whatever. Um, so, you know, telling me I see Dr. Smith for my blood pressure. He's my heart doctor. Um, or I see Dr. Jones, who is my my OBGYN. She takes care of my female health. Because then that helps me if I have to ask questions, um, 
then that helps me to know who I need to try and find. Now, it's great if you have the phone number of that person or an address or whatever, but you need to know where you go for your care and who you see, right? Um, because, you know, a lot of the times I guess people aren't paying that much attention and you really, really do. So this is, you know, about how you take ownership of your health, right, um, through the knowledge. So in general, things that you should know, um, you know, what are you allergic to? Are you allergic to any medications? Now, there have been, you know, people have asked me about allergies um, as we commonly talk about them. Um, and we talk when we're referring to allergies, um, a lot of people are talking about um, allergic rhinitis, right, or having an allergy to some environmental something or other. So, for example, in the springtime when all the trees and everything is blooming, a lot of people will cough and sneeze and, you know, all of that have runny noses and all of that stuff. And they'll say that they have allergies. Um, and that is not what we are talking about when we ask, are you allergic to a medication? What we are asking is, have you taken a medication and had an adverse reaction to it? Um, and by that, I mean, have you developed a rash or itching or redness or have your lips, tongue, throat swollen up? Have you stopped breathing after you have taken a medication or been given a medication? Um, that's what we need to know. And that is very, very important for you to know. So that way you can tell people, don't give me this because this is what happens. Um, because if we don't know and, you know, and nobody that's with you knows um, and we give you that medication, you know, bad things can happen. Um, very, You can be in very, very serious trouble. Uh, you also want to know your family history. And, you know, we've talked about this before, um, but in talking about it from a standpoint of we don't share our family history, you know, because we, most of us are fairly private people um, when it comes to things that are affecting us. Um, but, you know, it is very, very important to share what you're going through with your family. Now, they don't have to get into all of the nuts and bolts about, you know, how you got this disease and what you did or didn't do or, or you know, all of that. But, you know, just to say, like, for example, most people in my family, I hope they all know, I have diabetes and I have shared that with them. Um, becomes important, not necessarily for them who have come before me, but for my daughter to know that that is, you know, a risk factor for her which gets me to my next point about your risk factors. This is why we ask about your family history so that we can try and figure out, is there anything that we need to drill down on in particular? So for example, I'll give you heart disease just as an example, right? So you also need to know within your family history who has had XYZ disease and if you can know, how old were they when they first had the disease or when they got this, this diagnosis, right? Because that is very helpful for us. So for example, um, it's helpful in determining what your risk factor may be. So for example, heart disease, right? So if you tell me that your father had a heart attack when he was 30, then that puts me in the frame of mind that you have risk factors for heart disease. Now, that's not to say that people that don't have risk factors can't have heart attacks because they most certainly can. But 
if we're trying to, to drill down, if you're trying to take ownership of your health and, and using this knowledge, then this is what we're, this is the, the lane that we're in, right? Whereas if you tell me your father had a heart attack at 80, you may have some cardiac risk disease, you know, risk for disease, but you may not necessarily. We're still going to check it, right, as we should, because you should know what your risk is and how we how we determine um, what those risk factors are and what we do about it. Because, of course, we can't change your genetics, um, but we can uh, anticipate, try and anticipate some things that may happen for you. And that is how you take self-care in your health care. That's a part of that, right? So the next thing is, how often should I go to the doctor? And this is kind of wide open, and it depends uh, on what your particular situation is. So, for example, if you have a chronic disease, so I'll use myself as an example. I have diabetes, so I see my doctor at least twice a year because there are things that she needs to to check and, you know, kind of keep keep pace on. But before I was diabetic, I saw my doctor once a year because I didn't have any health problems and I wasn't, unless I was feeling bad or something like that. But just for, you know, just the routine tune-ups, if you will, at least once a year, you should be seeing your primary care provider. Um, You should have your annual physical. And I know a lot of people don't do this um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, You can request this at an appointment. And so if this is what your goal is, and remember we talked about goal setting uh, for successful self-care. If this is what your goal is, you have to communicate that to the office when you are scheduling your appointment. Because, um, you know, that visit usually takes a little bit longer. And so it has to be built into the doctor's schedule. Um, to uh, allow for that and to accommodate all that needs to happen during that visit. Um, And so, you know, it is not done in conjunction with your sick visit. So, you know, it cannot be, hey, doc, you know, I'm here because I think I have the flu. And by the way, I want to have my physical. Doesn't work that way. Um, because, again, the, the accommodation of time is, is not going to allow for that. So what more than likely is going to happen is your doctor is going to tell you, okay, well, let's get you scheduled for your physical and we'll bring you back. But let's take care of you might have the flu. Let's take care of that today and we'll bring you back for your physical. So what happens at your or what should happen at your annual physical And again, I'm telling you these things because I want to empower you with the knowledge to know what you should expect and and or what you should ask for. Right. Because if you don't know, you won't ask and you may not get. So what happens at your annual physical? So you want to know your height because some people know how how tall they are and some people don't. Um, You know, we pay a great amount of attention of attention to um, your height in children because we put them up against the growth cart charts and all of this to see, you know, are they growing appropriately or inappropriately, and then we can work that out. Um, but just in general, once you become an adult, for the most part, you don't grow anymore. Um, sometimes you get a little bit shorter as you get older, older. Um, but for the most part, however tall you are is how tall you are going to be, give or take. A little bit right but you need to know you need to know that how tall you are 
um, you know, because some people feel that they are six foot four in their heart, but they are really five foot four in person. Not talking about anybody in particular, right? Not talking about myself, maybe, maybe a little bit. Anyway, uh, and you want to know what your weight is. Now, this is a particular, whenever I go to the doctor, I always groan when I have to get up on the scale because I don't want to know how much overweight I am. But it is important to know what you weigh because, again, if you have all of a sudden gained weight or all of a sudden lost weight, those can be warning signs that something is going on in your health and inside your body and somebody needs to check on that and do something about that and look into that. Like, so if you were 125 pounds last year and now this year you're 190 pounds, something happened. You weren't just eating at McDonald's every day and gaining that tremendous amount of weight, right? Or maybe you were, but more to the point, some things need to be checked into to see, you know, if this if this is, is that a thyroid issue, are you depressed? What is what has caused this massive amount of weight gain in such a short period of time? And so again, that goes back to having that consistency with your practitioner, with your healthcare provider. Because if I can see over the past five years that your weight has been stable and all of a sudden and, you know, relatively stable because we all gain and lose and, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, if you've been consistently within a certain range and all of a sudden you're way out of that range, um, that is an alert to me as your provider to say, you know, why have you gained so much weight? What, what's going on there? And there are studies, you know, that we would look into and try and figure out what has happened. The same thing in reverse. So if you all, if you were 200 pounds and that has been kind of where you have been and now all of a sudden within six months or a year, you're at 130, you know, your doctor is not going to just say, oh, congratulations, you lost 70 pounds. There's going to be some follow-up questions that are going to be asked, like, have you done anything? So, you know, it is possible to be down 70 pounds in a year with hard work and diet and exercise and if you tell me that that's what's been going on with you um you know great but if you tell me you've been eating the same and exercising the same or not um you know then again that's going to set up some alarms for me um to say you know well why have you lost so much weight let's look into that and let's see what's going on um your blood pressure same, your blood pressure will be checked at your annual physical and, you know, you will be, you know, it'll be compared to um, what it has been, right? Um, because it could be that your blood pressure is elevated today because just before you left the house to come to, um, to come to the office, you got into an argument with your, with your spouse, right? And so you're still angry about that when you arrive at, at the office. Or perhaps there was a delay because there was an accident on the connector and, you know, you were stuck in traffic and you were worried about being late and then you have rushed and run into the office and now all of a sudden your blood pressure is elevated because of all of those external factors that affect your blood pressure. Or it could be that your blood pressure is sky high all of a sudden because something is going on. And again, I'm going to repeat that about that consistency and going to, um, you know, 
if not the same doctor, the same practice. Um, so that way the records are consistent and can be looked at over a span of time. Uh, you may have some basic lab work. You should have some basic lab work done at least once a year. And again, because we want to see trends. Trends are very, very important in medicine um, and what, in terms of what has been happening with you over a, a period of time. Um, you know, so you should have your CBC done, your complete blood count, which tells me about your infection fighting cells. It tells me about your red blood cells, your hemoglobin and hematocrit. And it tells me about your platelets, the sticky cells that, that form clots um, if you cut yourself so that you don't bleed to death, right? So, you know, you want to know what's going on with those levels. With your chemistry functions, right, so your electrolytes, your sodium and potassium in particular, um, your kidney function, uh, I can get information from that blood test, your liver function, and your blood sugar. So, you know, if all of a sudden your blood sugar has been fine, has been rock solid all of these years, and now all of a sudden it's 500, if it's 500, we're going to do something about that anyway. We're going to check some things. But again, if I've seen that all of a sudden, you know, you have this drastic change in that measurement and you should know my blood pressure was normal last year. Something happened, right? Because that's how you take ownership of your health information of knowing what you were last year and comparing that to what's going on now. So that's how you can have um, a, a meaningful discourse with your doctor. You also want to have your cholesterol measured and you may want to have a urinalysis. Now what I did mention is um, x-rays and EKGs. Um, those are very uh, symptom specific things um, that you would get checked. So what other screenings should you have um, based upon the conversation with your doctor or healthcare provider? And you know, also based upon your age, risk factors, and medical conditions. But just in general, screenings as they may apply, mammogram, colonoscopy, you may have a screening EKG based upon your either personal history or family history, a skin exam because you wanna check for skin cancers because there's some parts of your skin that you can't very easily see. So you don't know what's going on back there, right? So you may have a mole that wasn't there before, that wasn't there last year, and now it is. That needs to be checked out, right? Um, you also want to have your yearly eye exam, your dental exam, uh, your fecal, uh, fecal occult blood test, so that's testing for blood in your stool, uh, and your pap smear and PSA, your prostate-specific antigen. So now, of course, some things men will have and some things women will have. Um, but this is just in general putting that out there. And the reason that these screenings are important is because early detection leads to better outcomes with these disease processes. We know it is very well documented in, in the medical literature and research that um, mammography, for example, saves lives because the earlier a breast cancer can be detected, the earlier it can be treated, and the it increases the chances of cure, right? Whereas if this is, you know, you've never had a mammogram and now here you are 50, 60 years old, you've never had one. And, you know, we don't know when this, you know, they find a mass. We don't know when it was there or was it smaller last year? And now all of a sudden it's got this great big jump, right? So it creates a, a good bit of, of anxiety, I would say, 
um, when you don't know, when, you, when you're operating in the dark. Self-care, when we talk about goals, um, scheduling these events at a time that's easy for you to remember, right? Because it's a lot to keep up with in addition to everything else that you have to keep up with in your life. Um, so for me, for example, I schedule all of these things in January. So when the new year hits, I know it is time for me to have my my screening test done, right? Or if I haven't had them done, you know, when I see my endocrinologist. Um, so I schedule, you know, just had my eye exam. Me and the family, we all went together and had our eye exam uh, done just last week, actually. Last week, week before? Yeah, we did it over MLK weekend. Um, so, you know, so that's what we do, right? And our dental exams are coming up and, and all of that. So we schedule those things because it's easier for me to remember that when the new year comes, it's time for me to get these things done. So now, how do you prepare for your doctor's visit? So you always want to utilize your time at the doctor's office very, very well because it's a short amount of time and it goes a lot faster than you really realize, right? And you want to take the lead there. Now, by taking the lead, I don't mean to be pushy or nasty or any of that kind of stuff. But again, this is your health. This is your life. You want to be in control of, of how that happens. So number one, why are you going to the doctor, right? And you want to set goals for your visit. Now, all of those goals may not be addressed at that one visit, but at least it starts the conversation. You want to make notes of what's going on with you before you get there right? Because a lot of the times you can get in the doctor's office and you get flustered or maybe intimidated and you wanted to say something and you forget. And then when your your visit is over, it's like, oh gosh, I meant to mention, I forgot to say, I forgot to ask, right? But if you have your notes, you are prepared and you can efficiently and effectively use your time um, at the doctor. How you communicate um, matters as well. So for example, um, when you come in, hey, I'm Dr. Hines, how can I help you today? And that's my opening line every single time. Um, I, I, I get back, well, you're the doctor, you tell me. Well, I'm not a mind reader and I wasn't with you in the car or at the house, so I don't know what's going on with you, right? Um, or, you know, the generic, I'm sick. Really? This is why you're in the emergency room? You're an unusual bird. Anyway. So some better examples of that communication, right? So I'm just here for my follow-up visit, just here to check up on my diabetes. I've been feeling fine, I've been taking my medications, not having any problems. Boom, easy. Or, you know, since my last visit, I have been experiencing X, Y, Z. You know, I was fine my last after my last visit, but you know, in the year, six months, whatever, you know, this is what's been happening with me. And I want to get that checked out. Or this is my first visit and I just want to establish care. So you are taking control of that visit and directing the narrative of how that visit goes and what you want to accomplish out of the visit. You want to be concise because, again, you have your 15 minutes with your doctor. It goes really, really fast. Right. And the doctor has moved on to to other patients because I'm sure, you know, all of us are very busy these days. Right. So what I tell people, you want to do bullet points. 
So you want to give a time span, details of what has happened and how that is related to why you're in the doctor's office today, right? So for example, one year ago, and this is not me, but just giving an example, one year ago I had surgery on my hand for carpal tunnel syndrome. But I've noticed over the past two weeks, the pain in my hand has come back. So you have given in, in just that two sentence, one sentence, right? You've given me what was going on with you, what was done about it, and what the problem is now, right? And you are not giving me all of the fluff of, well, you know, I, I, I started having problems with my hand and I was taking St. John's wort, which doesn't work for that, but I was taking St. John's wort because my cousin told me that this is what we should do. And then time went on and I don't really know how long it's really been now, but my hand hurts. We're going to work with you, right? We're going we're gonna to figure it out. But, you know, you can just really, really drive, drive the visit. You can be in control of the visit by really, really knowing what's going on with you and being concise in how you communicate that. And we love patients that actively participate in their care and know what's going on with them and communicate that directly. It just makes everything so much easier, right? Now, here's a point. Take somebody with you to the doctors when you go, right? whether you go to the emergency room. And I know nowadays with COVID, you know, the visitation and such things, you know, it's different. But take somebody with you, even if they're just sitting in the car and they can talk over the phone or whatever. Now, this is not to say that this is a family field trip to the doctor's office because everybody should not go. I'm not talking to everybody that's in the room, right? You designate your person. That person is going to know about your health history as, as much as they possibly can know in terms of what your diagnoses are, what medications you take, what doctors you have seen, any procedures, surgeries, all of that stuff, right? Um, and you wanna inform your care providers that this person has permission to talk about you. Um, because with the privacy laws, and I have this happen all the time, that someone will call and say, you know, hey, my mom, Miss so-and-so is, is there in the emergency room, can you tell me what's going on? Well, I can't because Miss So-and-so hasn't given me permission to talk to anyone about what's going on with them. And number two, I don't know who you are over the phone. You could be anybody. You could not be who you say you are because people aren't always honest, right? So you wanna make sure that, you know, I am not violating your privacy. And then that way, you know, someone can call and say, you know, hey doc, you know, mom, you know, we came and we saw you six months ago and mom was this way. And now over the past week or so, she has been like this, right? Because again, we are not with you every day. So we don't know what's really going on or has been going on with you. Um, you wanna write down your questions. Because a lot of the times, like I said, you know, people get intimidated or flustered or just forget. Um, you know, we get off off topic um, in talking to our doctors. And then you get out and you say, gosh, I forgot to ask about. I wanted to ask about. I wanted to know about. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to push back. And by push back, I'm going to say that in the loosest, gentlest way, right? Um, and don't be afraid to express your concern or your fear. 
So for example, if your doctor wants you to start on a medication and you say, you know what, I don't really feel comfortable with that particular medication, what else can I do? Again, there may not be anything else, but at least it, it starts the discussion and you are taking ownership and control over what happens to you and what you put in your body, right? Um, you want to be honest because if you are not honest with us, we can't effectively help you. Now, there's some stuff that I'm going to find out. Like, so for example, um, you know, when people do drug tests and they tell me that they don't, they don't do drugs, I'm going to check it anyway in, in some instances, right? I'm going to check it anyway. And then I will find out that you have not told me the truth. And that sets up a different type of relationship. You don't want that. If you have any changes to your information when you go to the doctor, this is a time saver tip here. Call the office ahead of your appointment and give them a heads up. Say, hey, my name changed. My insurance changed. My address changed. Because they have to verify all of these things anyway. But if they have to go and do a whole lot of digging, like until all of this stuff is verified, nobody gets to the back to see the doctor. Right. So the longer it takes to do that, the longer you sit in the waiting area. It is what it is. And lastly, um, mental health is health. And so if you are having mental health challenges, don't be afraid to discuss that with your primary care physician. Now, that may not be their wheelhouse, right? They may not be able to treat you, but at least they can refer you to someone who can. So, you know, your primary care doctor is your catch-all, your go-to. Um, they may send you, they may refer you, you know, elsewhere, but at least they know what has been going on with you. Now, when you talk about knowing what your health is. So how do you know what's abnormal if you don't know what's normal? So this also helps you to set some goals for yourself. So here we go. Normal blood pressure, 120 over 80 or less. Normal blood sugar, less than 140. Normal total cholesterol, less than 200. Normal HDL or high density lipoprotein, um, which is your good cholesterol. In men, you want it to be more than 40. In women, more than 50. Your LDL or low density lipoprotein, which is your bad cholesterol, you want that to be less than 100. Or if you had coronary, um, or if you have coronary artery disease, if you've had a heart attack or a stroke, um, you want that to be less than 70. Uh, triglycerides, less than 149 in general, but ideally less than 100 is the level. Your kidney function in men, and, and it varies, some of these things will vary um, on your age, on your sex, sometimes even on your race. Um, so of course, you know, discussion with your doctor is key. Um, men, less 0.74 to 1.35. Women, 0.59 to 1.1. So that gives you, and I'll post this on, um, on our Facebook page so you have that, um, because that gives you kind of a, a starting point of if you are not within these normal parameters um, to set a goal of this is where we're where we're working towards right and then you can develop your action steps to get you to those numbers in closing so that is our our healthcare self-care uh, segment 
And so let's talk about our vitamin C because I see that we only have a few minutes left. You know, I always I always wonder if I'm going to have enough to talk about and then I end up running out of time, which I guess is not a bad thing. Um, so your vitamin C for this week. Sigmund Freud quotes is quoted as saying, quote, being entirely honest with oneself is a good exercise. John Wooden is quoted as saying, without proper self-evaluation, failure is inevitable. So today's vitamin C is about self-assessment. And I'm going to quote myself as I have said this, and I usually say it in jest, but I wholeheartedly mean it. Quote, I have to be honest with myself in order to be honest with others. Um, Usually there's something that you don't want to hear that I'm getting ready to to say to you when I say that, but whatever. Here we go. Self-assessment is sometimes difficult work. Honesty is expensive, right? And we all like to paint ourselves in the most positive light possible. No one likes to point out their shortcomings. I know I don't, but I do have them. But in my honest opinion, it is in our shortcomings or within our shortcomings that we have opportunities for growth. And self-care, after all, is about constructing our best, not perfect, possible selves. Thank you once again for joining me this week. I hope you have enjoyed it. This is my favorite hour of the week, and I look forward to it every week. And so, in closing, I say, until we meet again, my friends, be good to yourself, be good to each other, take care. Bye. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week. Thank you.